Thank you, Lord. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Was that good? Or was that good? Yeah. Is that the way to bring the presence of the Lord into this place? Or not? It's amazing. Thank you all for what you do here. Um, of you know me. My name is Chris Alderson. Um Matt's mother is in the audience. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you. And uh, we're glad you're here. He's been a blessing to see you. You did good. Thank you. God gave him to me. Again, right? We don't want to embarrass him too bad. So, Too late. Too late. <laughs> we have fun, don't we? Glory to God. If you can't have a little fun in front of the Lord, what's, what's it all for? Right? So, if you like coffee, I'll do a couple of announcements real quick. We do have coffee in the back. We've got a teapot back there. You can make your own tea if you want some tea. There's honey, there's lemon. Um, there's, it looks like there's some oatmeal cream pie cookies. Yeah. Ooh. Good call. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> where are you at? That's a distraction. In the back, we have for today uh, an offering box, I guess you'd call it. And so throughout the day, I'll announce it. Like I said last night, we're taking offerings uh, today, throughout the day, for next year's revival. So we're paying it forward. And next, we're building on each and every revival. And we're just enjoying this uh, and getting the word out. And it's going to continue to grow. Because this is for the body of Christ. It's not for a church. And people need to realize that we've got to treat the Lord as he is holy, not as some convenient thing that we can turn on and turn off. But the way he was designed to be is in our lives every second of every day. And so, uh, that being said, there's also uh, visitor info cards back there. If uh, you don't want to give out your personal information, just give me your first name and what church you're from. Because we want to know. If you want to know more about the next revival, uh, put your email address on there, and we will start a contact list and keep regular updates going about the 2023 Prairie Fire Revival. Okay? We're trying to keep it in the same time of the year because this is a great time of the year. Kids are in school. Everybody's back from vacation. They've worn themselves out over the summertime, and they need to be refreshed. And so it's a good time. It's a good time. So I have to say, the second song that the praise and worship team played is amazing. I have never heard that song before. So when I heard it this morning, I knew the Lord was speaking to me because it pertains to the message that I'm bringing, which is called the veil. 
Now, for those of you who are not familiar with the veil, the veil was made to go between the holy place and the most holy place. It was four inches thick, and it was woven of just the finest threads. Now, try to imagine, okay, this is nowhere near four inches, right? You'd have to fold this over many, many times to get four inches of fabric. So you're talking four inches, this thick, okay, of fabric. And that's significant. And the only time they could go in there was once a year, and it was the high priest. And he had he better have it right, too. Because if he went in there and he was not right with the Lord, exactly. They hit the ground, people pull the rope out. Because they would wear a bell. And and when they didn't hear the bell anymore, they knew something was wrong. And they would pull the body out. Because the presence of the Lord, the glory of God is so powerful. So, so powerful. And so, I want to start out in Hosea chapter 8, verse 4. And the Lord is speaking through the prophet Hosea, and he says, They set up kings, but not for me. They made princes, but I did not know it. With their silver and gold they made idols, excuse me, so that they will be cut off. So you might think, well, that's kind of an odd scripture for what I'm talking about, but let's stop and think about what I said last night as I closed. We have idols today that cut us off from the presence of God. Football games, basketball games, baseball games. Uh, well, new one in Kansas, you can now legally bet on sports without ever leaving your home. And so there's all these things, all these idols that we can grab onto and they get in between us and God. Maybe we're not hammering them out of silver or gold or carving them out of wood. But they're right there in front of us. Whether it's that huge TV or it's your favorite bar that you like to go to to watch the game. Whatever it is, um, it, it just it stops us from entering into the Holy of Holies. Now, in Exodus 26, 33, and this is going to be a short message. It says, You shall hang up the veil under the clasps, so that you may bring the ark of the testimony within the veil, and the veil shall serve you, serve for you as a partition between the holy place and the most holy. God was specific about pre-Christ, how things needed to be done. Because we just can't stand in His presence without Jesus. 
And that's why it's so important with the messages that we heard last night and we've heard so far, it is important to go out and do the work and introduce people to Christ so that they can stand before our God in His presence without having to die. So, in Matthew 27, and we're starting to get to where I really want to be, so Matthew chapter 27, verses 50 and 51. It says that Jesus, when he had cried out again with a loud voice, released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. And the ground shook and the rocks split open. Now, first I want to point out that when Jesus was finished with the work he needed to do, man did not kill him. He released his spirit. He let his body die by releasing his spirit. And they were amazed when they came to break the legs, which was something they would do to hurry up death. Because as you hung on the cross, your lungs would be under pressure from the weight of your body, and the more tired you got, the more weight would go upon your lungs, and eventually your lungs would collapse, and you would suffocate. Well, this happened to be so close to Passover, so close to a Jewish holiday that they were instructed to break their legs because, well, we need to have the bodies down and out of the way before Sunday. Or we're going to have a riot on our hands. And so they broke the legs of the criminals on either side of Jesus. And when they went to Jesus, they realized he was already dead. They cursed his side, and blood and water ran out, sealing the covenant that God was making with us. And you got to think back to when Cain and Abel went at it. And the ground cried out when Abel's blood touched it. What do you think the ground did when Jesus' blood touched it? I can't even imagine. But it says that they are four inches thick was torn in two from the top to the bottom. Not from the bottom up. Man did not do this. Jesus so wrecked Satan in his sacrifice that he could no, Satan could no longer contain the presence of God to behind a veil to an ark that man made He couldn't contain it. Now, prior to this, you got to remember, Satan had the right to go before God in heaven until Jesus sacrificed himself. And then that right expired because Jesus righted with Adam wrong. And I'll tell you this, Adam chose acceptance. Over dominion. God 
gave him the ability to have dominion. He gave him the power, the blessing, everything he needed to have dominion over this world. And the devil came knowing he could not get to Adam, but he beguiled the woman. And when the woman offered the fruit, the forbidden fruit, up to Adam, Adam had a choice. He could say, uh-uh, what Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Adam could have said the same thing. He should have laughed in the devil's face and said, who are you? You're like the gum on the bottom of my shoe. What are you doing here in front of me? But Adam, i, I got to believe, looked in the eyes of these women and, and he just probably said, well, I'm going to accept this because I don't want to lose her. I don't want to lose something that I value. Forgetting totally that God gave him that gift. And the only reason he had it was God. And so Adam chose acceptance over dominion. And we have that same option, that same choice. Every moment of every day. And there's the challenge. So here's my question. Why do we allow ourselves to put the very veil that Jesus Christ tore into from top to bottom? Why do we allow ourselves to put it back up? Why do we allow religion to come in and say, I know Jesus did away with the veil, but I'm going to put it back up because I'm a lesser being and I cannot handle the presence of God in my life. And if I can't handle it, I don't want you to be exposed to it. There's people out there like that. And that's what religion does. Religion will grab onto that. It'll put the veil up and say to you, well, I know that's in the Word, but that's not for now. That's dead and gone. Nothing is dead and gone. Till Jesus comes again, everything He did for us is still very much alive. Very much ours. That veil is down. We can't. Maybe we can put it up for ourselves if we want to. But others can see through that. And they can walk through where that veil was. Right into the Holy of Holies. And so when you play that second song today, you floored me. Because... This is what the Lord's been speaking to me for weeks now about the veil. And I didn't know what He was going to do with it. Do you understand? What Jesus did was he, he took that away so that we can say yes to Him. And in doing so, we step beyond that curtain right into the presence of God. And it's a wonderful thing. Think about what Dean said the other night. Or what actually what he displayed two nights ago. He would sit here and he would pause. And he would hear from God. Can I tell you 
The anointing doesn't care how dark the room is that it enters. Amen. It doesn't care. The, the anointing will walk into the darkest place in the world, turn the light on, and darkness can't overcome it. And so, when we go out into the streets, when we go out into the world and we live our daily life, that little bit of fear that says, don't talk to that person, or you hear God say, go talk to that person, and you're like, no, Lord. Not me, somebody else. That's, that's We're supposed to do that. We don't have to deal with that fear. One of the scriptures that Pastor Carlester used yesterday was 2 Timothy 1.7, and it's one of my favorite, most favorite scriptures in the world because it led me through a time where fear ruled. And that is, for my God did not give me a spirit of fear, but he gave me a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of a sound mind. A sound, disciplined mind. And I've wielded that like a sword every time the enemy attacks me with fear. And fear has to leave. We don't step into the Holy of Holies just to be weak. To be unequipped. To be immature. If you look at Hebrews chapter 5, the last few verses and the first couple of verses is 16. I'll show you what the Lord expects. So in chapter 5, verse 11, it says, Concerning this, we have much to say that is hard to explain, since you have become hard of hearing. For though by now you should be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and have come to need milk rather than solid food. Everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. But solid food belongs to those who are mature, for those who through practice have powers of discernment that are trained to distinguish good and evil. And you go into 6, it says, Therefore, leaving the elementary principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to maturity, not laying again, excuse me, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. This will do if God permits. So we get rooted, we get grounded, we get planted. We have teachers and, and mentors in our lives that help us to grow and to mature into full sons and daughters. That's a charge on our life. God has two calls on you. And I, I think a gentleman who, who taught me this a long time ago, he has two calls on our lives. The first one's a personal call. It's for you and you alone. And that's for you to be a full son or a full daughter. The second call is whatever call he puts on your life that ministers to his people. Whether it's being a minister, 
serving people, whatever it looks like, it's ministry. So we need to abide by His Word and grow. And if we are leading people into salvation and they're receiving Christ, and this, I think Doug alluded to the statistics on Billy Graham on how many people actually stayed with him. Do you know what failed in that instance? The church. Do you know what's failing here? The church. We have pastors and pulpits who are telling people, no, you don't need to be part of that. You don't need to cross denominational lines. You stay in our house, you stay in our house alone. This community of 5,500 people has more churches than you can shake a stick at. And yet, they don't come together outside of their four walls. They can't come together in agreement. They can't come together in unity. That's why Prayer Fire Revival came along. It doesn't matter what the name is. This exists because God needed unity in this community. And that's why it's here. That's why it will continue because obviously we didn't get the work done in the first year. We're not getting the work done in the second year. Okay? But we're building brick upon brick, stone Amen. upon stone. Amen. That's it. And Jesus is the foundation for all of that. And so I look around and I see you guys and I see different congregations here together in unity on a Saturday morning when they could be at home drinking coffee, eating donuts, and kicking back. And I love it. I love it. So here's what I would say to you. If you come from a church where your pastor doesn't encourage unity outside your four walls, pray over it. Or her. Pray over them. Because fear grips their heart. And it stops them from doing what God is telling them to do. That really wasn't in my message, but for some reason that came up. So, we need to remember the Word of God is not powers, powerless. It's powerful. Okay? Every page, from the front cover to the back cover, and I don't have my right Bible with me today, or I would do this. The one I have with me, everything would fall out. I do this all the time, and I, I should have brought it today. But If you hold your Bible up, flap to flap, and you just let it hang, everything in between those two covers is truth and reality. Amen. Everything out there is a lie. Yeah. And we need to pay attention to what we are allowing to come between us and our Father. And we need to know by the grace of God the blessings and the promises that Jesus bought and paid for.
It's amazing. And with that, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Pastor Shannon to come up because he was blessed and got to go on a mission trip to Kenya. And I'd just like you to take 10, 15 minutes and just let us know about it. Okay. Excuse me. Yes. Would you just give us that scripture in Hebrews 5 again? I certainly would. Let me turn this on. So it's Hebrews 5. Verses 11 through 14. And 6, 1 through 3. 